Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Nick Seipel here with a quick industry-focused programming update. With U.S. Thanksgiving falling this week, there will be no episodes of Industry Focus on Thursday and Friday as Dylan Lewis and I take some well-earned time off with our families. However, Industry Focus will return to its regularly scheduled programming on Monday, November 29th with Jason Moser and The Financials Show. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Nick Seipel here with Motley Fool Canada analyst Nate Parmalee. Our special guest today is Phil Fair, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Nuve Corporation, a global payments business with a purpose to make our world a local marketplace. Philip, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here with you. So just off the bat, I want to unpack the purpose of the company to make our world a local marketplace. How is your company doing that on a day-to-day basis? What are the problems you're solving for your customers? Yeah, we, I mean, we're providing the tools to help our customers connect with their customers in every corner of the world. So, you know, when you think about it, how we buy in Canada, the United States, we use our credit cards. But that that concept changes rapidly as you enter different parts of the world and merchants need to normalize it. Today is a global marketplace. You need to push your wares, your services, your goods online to be able to connect with customers in every market, in every currency, in every mode of payment that is relevant to them without any difference. And what Nuve does is we unify all those solutions through a single integration so that you could focus on what's important in your business, right? And we help normalize the experience of every preference and any market that you choose to operate with so that you can grow your sales, establish that market, and then utilize our tools. And, and you know, we've gone well beyond just acceptance. We've been built our payout solutions, our risk services, you know, our back office, our reconciliation tools so that you could focus on your business. Yeah, can you talk about how the business has evolved over time? Today, you talk about accepting accepting dozens of different forms of payments all over the world, uh, but you didn't start out uh, at that that type of scale. Can you talk about maybe the life cycle from founding to to where you are today? This just truly truly global business. Yeah, I know it's been a fascinating journey. You know, when when I started the business back in two thousand three. Um, the, the objective was just to help merchants accept payments. And, and ultimately, that, that foundation hasn't changed. But payments and fintech has changed so much, guys, over the last 20 years. You know, if you think about the history of payments, since 1987, we came to draft capture. You guys remember the little, little book that uh, when we were all younger, people looked at the book. But then the electronic draft capture came. The knuckle buster went away. But then payments stalled. Right, like it kind of just kind of chugged along on its way. Proliferation started happening. More business started accepting it, and it started re- reinvigorating itself in 2010, 2012, where softer and payments were coming together, and really fascinating things were happening across our ecosystem. And so, you know, we were really small business focused, you know, terminal based focused, and our business made a pivot, and we started looking at you know the different problems that were around, right? The different areas of how you had to scale and how businesses today had to touch the global economy, and being a being an established business, we. Pivoted, and we pivoted to focus on, while still within payments, of course, we focused on global businesses and helping them operate in markets all around the world. And it was a massive you know, challenge for the company to pivot itself. And then more importantly, a fascinating approach because even you know, in our roughly 20 years, we're still on the ground floor, right? We built out our European business. We built out our North American business. We made an acquisition recently in LATAM, but you're just scratching the surface, guys, right? There's still APAC and there's still the Middle East and there's still Africa. Like We still have so much to do and so much uh, um, to help our customers connect with theirs. So it's really a fascinating journey and, and it's an evolution. I think what's really, really fun for every entrepreneur and every builder 
is you know the activity in the in the space, right? The amount of expansion of market capabilities for our customers, and now it's the responsibility of every payment company to do just that because we're the keys to help our customers grow, and, and we take that job very seriously. Yeah, I was just curious, how often do you see customers coming to you because you're a player that does more than just the vanilla kind of MasterCard Visa Discover Amex processing, you know, and actually brings a full suite, particularly a lot of these localized payment types? It's all the time. And, and it's fascinating because, you know, if you look at the ecosystem today, you could be really well serviced within the borders with your local provider. Your regional provider could do a really good job. But the minute you want to go north and south and the minute you want to go around the world, that's when, you know, your requirements change. And what's amazing about our platform and our technology is that it's available a cart. So we're able to solve, you know, really complicated needs or really simple needs that are relevant for you at this time. So if you need to accept, by the way, I'm sorry, my son is very loud in the background. That's so, no but problem. if you guys need to accept <laughs> Alipay or WeChat Pay or Boleto or whatever that you guys need to accept, it helps us start the relationship. And as merchants' requirements change, you know, their solution stack with us get to change. And, and something that's really interesting, you think about the flexibility of our technology is a merchant may have cash management with a bank in the UK and, and a requirement to use a credit card services, a bank in the US because of their, their, their loan services. But when they start looking at our technology, we can integrate all that within our flow so that still technically you could collapse multiple you know, vendors per country, utilize your local solutions and have a single provider for your global capabilities. And that's what's so important about detaching payments from technology and then driving the value add. And if you look at the power of our platform, you're talking about 500 different forms of alternative payment method, plus you know where we do 45 local acquiring, where we are you know the enabler of card brand payments, plus we connect to you know hundreds of banks around the world. So we really try to encompass all the solutions that our merchants may require based on their business model. Do Do you know off the top of your head which customer you don't have to name the customer, but which customer is using the most of those 500 options? How many? In other words? I'll answer to you this way, right? Our objective is no, no matter which way, even if a customer of, of, of one of our customers does one transaction, it's one transaction that we saved. And so because our, our entire ethos is to help our customers connect with theirs, it doesn't matter if it's one, if it's a hundred or if it's a thousand, it's for them to create relationships with their customers. And that's what drives us. So ultimately, if you think about it, we, we add a cryptocurrency acceptance this year. We see lower volume, but it is topical, right? Alternative payment methods. In some markets, you have credit card penetration that's less than 70%. So, you know, you're only with credit card basic acquiring, you're only addressing 30% of the market. You need the alternative payment methods. And the, the, whole, the whole scope is a flexibility that's right for that particular business. Yes. So you've mentioned a few times kind of your customers and the customers that you're serving. You, you talk about having a, a verticals-based approach to how you, you go to market. So can you talk about some of the, the verticals you're, uh, you're serving and, and, you know, what those customers look like? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we, we've driven is we want to build solutions for very specific problems. And we found that, you know, to drive the most value, it's hard to be everything to everybody. And that's just our philosophy. We want to do it really well. We want to be experts in our sphere. And we want to be able to have, you know, the, not just the technology, but the people around that know what you're doing. And so we, we end up looking at creating curated verticals that we focus on, that all of them have some foundations. You know, the first one is, and simple, this one is, they're going to be around, right? Like that's a big topic when you end up thinking about shift the business. The second one is they have tailwinds and we want to help them execute on those tailwinds. And the third is they have to operate globally. And so, you know, we focus on very specific verticals. You know, ironically to us, we started with the hardest one, right? You know, the business, the business drives its roots in our, in our technology group to online gaming. 
And it's been a fascinating journey, right? Online gaming, UK, went to mainland Europe, went to Eastern Europe, massive growth of TAM. Now all of a sudden the US has opened up, right? And more and more states are accelerating. Canada's adding. You have Mexico, you have Colombia, you have Argentina, you have Brazil. So you see an unprecedented growth and these companies need solutions to be able to run their global business. And they need a lot of our technology stack. Payment in, hundreds of different forms of payment and hundreds of different currencies fully reconciled. Pay out, right? When you guys have your winnings, you want to receive those winnings instantly net settled to the merchant. These are really important factors because if you're moving money around as, as these operators, I can't pay you guys instantly, which creates the relationship. So we have this entire cycle of instant payment and all of, all of our back office tools to get a better authorization, to decline it, to cascade it, You know the things that help that. And we've taken that and we built that out onto other verticals that are really relevant. So social games, right? You to pay to play, that's pretty simple, but that has evolved, right? And it's evolved to watching you play, to betting on you play, to esports has come around. So social games itself is fascinating. And naturally, we're watching with great interest the Apple and Epic battle of how that's going to change the gaming ecosystem. You think about marketplaces, right? We published an amazing white paper to show the power of marketplaces. But if we, if we think about a marketplace, we think immediately about Amazon. But there's hundreds of marketplaces that are popping up that are vertical specific, and they need merchant onboarding. They need all the pay-ins. They need the full reconciliation. They need payouts to their small merchants. And they need the back office tool. So, you know, really fascinating around that. Obviously, online retail, digital goods, financial services, and travel. So those are kind of their building blocks. We think they're all, you know, experiencing some really interesting tailwinds. We think they're all, you know, growing their, their addressable market. And we think that they are a good platform for us to continue building out, you know, our global footprint. Um, just curious quickly on travel. How, how are you seeing that now that things are starting to open up and, and pick up? So travel travel is less than two percent, roughly, of of our uh, of our book of business, and it's something that we've we we really love some travel companies. The issue for us, multi on one end, it's super relevant for our technology stack. On the other, it's really the financial health and wellness of many of these businesses. And so, you know, it's a matter of how much risk appetite that certain businesses want to take. So we've been very cautious on travel. We're really bullish, right? It's not when people are going to travel again, right? Actually, it is exactly when. It's not if people are going to travel again, but it's when, right? And so we we definitely want to be able to continue engaging. We've done some really interesting partnerships in the travel space. Um, we think there's a lot more to be had. Um, what we've seen around the ecosystem is just because of the exposure and future delivery, travel merchants have you know really gone through the ringer over the past year and a half, not only fighting their own business, but also managing their payment ecosystem. So we believe there, it's, a, it's a good opportunity. Uh, we're selective today, but as the world returns to some form of normalcy, you know, it'll be an area of, of significant growth opportunity for us. So one thing we haven't talked about, so we've talked about you know, uh, how you've expanded the business, lot, uh, accepting lots of different payment methods, different verticals you're addressing, but one of the ways that you've been able to facilitate that and grow the businesses through acquisitions have been a very acquisitive company throughout your history. What do you look for in an acquisition? What is your acquisition strategy? Yeah, I'm, I, this is something that that you know we're really proud of, right? So first of all, multiples have been you know through the roof of late, and and from our perspective, we we book we book M and A into three three categories. Really, how do we help capabilities, right? How do we help our customers connect, convert, and drive more business? How does it expand our geographic reach? And the third is how does it give a scale or licensing or things that kind of help reduce our go-to-market time? And and initially we've been very focused on capabilities, right? How do we and we've been looking at early stage companies that allow us to integrate their, their them into our workflow um, and drive more value to our customers. So you know we bought Simplex on the risk management side, which is a risk as a service, a wonderful platform 
Uh, it allows us to pull the seat to the table into the digital asset space, which we're really excited about, right? As part of our financial service vertical, you think about NFTs and crypto as a whole of, in terms of the momentum that these industries see. And the risk as a service, you know, allows us with AI technology score transactions and allow our customers to use risk management within our ecosystem instead of a third party. So we really like that. We bought Mazuma for bank to bank payments um, that allowed us to provide the most comprehensive suite of acceptance in North America. You know, coupled with that, we launched on a proprietary basis our SIPA and direct bank payments in Europe. And we bought Paymentez, which fits the geography bucket this uh, this last quarter that helps us expand our footprint across, you know, uh, um, LATAM, which is a really important market for us. So those are the three spheres for us. What's interesting from our business and other, than others is that not only do we have high revenue growth, we're also highly profitable. And, and so, you know, you have a you know, low CapEx, high free cash flow business, um, an exceptionally strong balance sheet that gives us optionality that we are executing on. Would you ever look at a deal that brought in a new vertical or is that not something you're really interested in? Yeah, I, th I think, so. you know, guys, the way we do it is um, we have a, our direct M&A team. So we look at geography and capabilities that, that are relevant for our verticals. And then we we identify the targets that make the most sense, right? And, you know, M&A is a journey, right? There's personalities, there's price expectations, there's culture. I mean, there's a million other things besides that. And we're looking at things that that help our customers. Because of our profile, we're not solving for growth requirements, right? Many of our peers are buying, you know, on a, really to solve growth issues or other. From our perspective, it's not that at all. We're really looking at how do we help our customers? How do we make sure that when they are ready to execute next year or the year after in these markets, we are, you know, primed and ready to help them do so? That's what drives us. And I think that's what creates these relationships that we have with our clients. In, in terms of new verticals, I think we'll always remain entrepreneurial, right? That's that's what makes businesses, right? It's feeling and, and being part of and, and being committed to your customers and driving solutions throughout that. We'll always be entrepreneurial. But the truth is our core verticals have a lot of runway and a lot, a lot of opportunity that we still haven't executed on. And we rather be focused than just being widespread, right? Like why not be, you know, experts in our domain is just exactly what our customers expect of us. And as we feel that we've you know really dominated is not not the right word but really you know executed well in that particular vertical we'll add some others but there's a lot left for us to do yeah so, so when you talk about uh you know forming relationships with it with customers and, and expanding you know what's the sales process look like for a new customer what's the the life cycle to go from hey we just signed on this customer to this is a customer that's reaching maturity uh for us yeah i mean Nick, great question so you know a few years ago we were under distributed right so we had great 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 tech but it was all that kind of world word of mouth that clients came to us you know, since then we've done meaningful investments in building out our sales force. You know, we more than doubled it in the in the in the first half this year than we did than we had last year, and we're making some investments. We we talked about bringing four roughly 200 200 folk headcount um, that we had uh, originally budgeted for 22 into 21 because of the momentum. We want to be everywhere our clients are in time zone, in language, uh, um, and close to them to help them build out. So we've done a really good job in Europe and in North America. You know, we've now extended that with our acquisition of Paymentez in LATAM, and there's a lot left for us to do. So ultimately, it's direct sales force, you know, by vertical, you know, coupled with solutions engineers, integration experts, and account managers that help bring the expertise. What's fascinating, Nick, is that a customer could be born, you know, out of New York, meaning they're located in New York, but they need us in Asia. They need us in LATAM. They need us in Europe, or they need us in other different parts of the world. So where they are born is not necessarily what they need. So it's it's a matter of bringing the expertise around to help them execute on their plan. And and that is kind of that philosophy that sits with us. You know, we land, meaning what is your need today? 
right? It's not an all or nothing. I need this little bitty service or I need it all. Obviously, we'd love to have it all. But if it's that little bitty service, you know, we earn our keep, which means we'll, we'll onboard them, we'll work our butts off and create the relationships and, and drive them into our roadmap to make sure that we can help them and we grow with them. Well, I, I think so. Maybe, um, maybe you could maybe walk us through an example there. So, so online, uh, you know, betting. You, you mentioned that's a market that you're heavily involved with. Certainly, the past few years, following the Supreme Court decision, that market has started to mature. So, can you maybe using that as an example, talk about how you've matured with your customers and maybe where that market is headed in the future, where you could continue to mature with them? Yeah, I mean, it's important to know that no vertical is greater than approximately 20%. So we're really well diversified from a vertical and a merchant perspective. But if you think about it, you know, we announced BetMGM, and I talked about this in our earnings call, which was, you know, it is a partnership with Entain Group, which has been a longstanding European customer. And that's a great example of utilizing your current relationship and helping them expand into a new market. We're really excited about that. And I think that is true ultimately all around the world because a big part of our growth comes from the momentum within our own customers. So, you know, how does that really work? It's kind of this growth loop, if you guys think about it. You onboard new clients with particular needs that they have, they become existing customers, and then our account management team analyzes their payment flows, looks at where they're at, how do we help them, you know, really provide a consultancy when we do the monthly business reviews with them, where we understand their pain points, and allows us to grow as we add more features and functionality. And because we're a development shop, we'll add every quarter some meaningful product capabilities, and as we add new geographies. So ultimately, there's always a conversation to have of where are you, how can I help you, what are your pain points, and how do I take your pain points as part of my roadmap? And that loop continues, right? Because if you look, we did last quarter, we added issuing. We're going we're gonna to expand our payout business with issuing capabilities, which is going to be really powerful. It's a TAM expansion for us, um, and it's an opportunity for us to simplify the operations of our business. We've now launched our payout business in North America, which is a really important part of our business. Naturally, we acquired Mazuma that adds the greatest wallet share to people for credit, debit, or, or non-credit non products for instant payments. So we've really expanded that, that suite. And every time a new feature comes on, Nick, it's relevant for our customers, right? So you end up having conversations saying, hey, I have a new feature within the platform. Is this relevant for you? And, and because we consolidate often what four, five, six, seven different vendors do, it allows us to have pricing flexibility as well. So overall, you know, that growth loop continues. And as we add more geography and as we add more capabilities, our product mix expands and that expands with our customers. Um, listening to everything that you're saying and all the growth and the acquisitions and everything, sounds like people are a very important part of your business. But also as an acquirer, it can be hard to integrate cultures and bring people together. H how do you go about that? Because it seems like they're critical to your sales process. No question. Look, in every business, right? It doesn't matter just ours. Like the heart of every company is people, people, people. And, 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 and this is something that we're really proud of for us is people first, right? You know, profits after people first. <clears throat> and and we, you, you know, we exercise that during the pandemic when some folks were running for the hill and people were being laid off. You know, for us, we immediately went back to people saying, don't worry, no layoffs whatsoever. It was at the time of IPO. In our Canadian IPO, we gave every one of our employees $100,000 in stock options at, at the IPO price to create wealth. And, and I think there, there are other elements of, you know, be transparent, be honest. Every time we beat a quarter, guys, people get two and a half days of additional vacation. Reward, you know, the process together. And then lastly, you know, create a plan for folks to create wealth, right? Like, and I think all of them together make it super interesting, you know, have a great culture and allow people to make great opportunities for wealth and package it all together you know, we still think we're at the ground floor. So it, it's allowed us from a talent attraction perspective 
um, from from an acquisition perspective, people to integrate and to kind of row together in the same direction because we're all owners of the same stock. And really the third is our mission is really powerful, guys, right? Like we want to make the world a local marketplace by helping our customers connect with theirs. And that's a really powerful mission that is not abstract, right? So it's hard for people to get behind it because it makes it just makes sense. So I can go to maybe so so when you talk about uh, the growth opportunity for the business, we're still on uh, the ground floor. You know that that's reflected in, in some of your targets. So you've got you know guidance out there or, or targets out there for for thirty percent medium long term or medium term revenue growth. You know those numbers get really big really quick. You run that out for five years, that's three and a half x increase in revenue. So what gives you confidence about that type of explosive growth going you know forward the next several years? Well, you know what's fun is um, sometimes people forget where we've come from to look at where we're going, right? And you have to take a good look at what we've done sequentially every quarter um, since being a public company. And and naturally, obviously, lots of large numbers come into play. But then also look at what we've done meaningfully from a product perspective and a TAM expansion perspective that allows us to have that foundation. And, And I think that puts us into a really unique space. Like this is obviously organic growth. And when we end up looking at some of our peers in the global space. You know, when we first IPO'd, some of them were five times larger than us. We've bridged that gap. Our growth, we think, is market leading. And, you know, when you end up looking at um, the technology releases that we've done, um, you know, the market expansion opportunities, the fact that, you know, LATAM and Asia, which are two very, very, very big markets, are still underpenetrated and we're executing really well on that. You know, North America that has tremendous amount of tailwind in our expansion and growth in Europe. It, it bolds, it empowers us to, 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 to have given, you know, the midterm targets for us. And there are really two, right? You know, the first one is on the midterm as we continue reinvesting the business and expanding our distribution channel and our, and our, and our investment in, uh, in corporate development and marketing. And, and right behind that is naturally post-investment period, which is just as important, is, you know, the expansion of our EBITDA margins, you know, from the low 40s, which we're disciplining reinvesting to the business to, you know, in excess of 50%. You know, what's fun, guys, is, and this is something that I've always find so interesting, is Nuvay's an amazing business, right, with amazing momentum and incredible market cap and incredible financial profile, and yet we remain somewhat unknown. And, and this is something that you end up thinking about as we use the momentum of our Toronto listing and our NASDAQ listing, and we add more resources into marketing, which we're doing right now, Ultimately, you know, it all bolds well to being on the ground floor. And, and what we're seeing today is we're part of more RFPs than we ever were in the past. And there's more for us to go get, right? There's, there's more for us to be part of the conversation of when you're thinking about an Adyen or a Stripe, you should be thinking about Nuve too. And these are opportunities for us to inject ourselves in these conversations and to be part of these discussions because we compete really well with it. So, you know, yeah, we're really excited. And what empowered us to answer your question is we, we always go bottoms up. We look by customer, by feature, by geography, what the opportunities are. And, um, you know, we feel pretty confident of, you know, one, the momentum that we have seen in the business. We talked about that in our Q3 earnings call, the momentum that we've seen, you know, into Q4 and how, you know, we're entering, Q, you know, 2020 with, with you know, really strong opportunities. So we're excited where we sit. Yeah, One of the things you mentioned on that earnings call is that you're continuing to accelerate some investments and in growth. You mentioned that difference between the growth period and then the investment period. So given that you're in accelerating some of these investments, is the market growing even faster than, than you expected? Or, or you know, wh- why, why accelerate these investments? Well, for, from our perspective is we think there's a lot more opportunity for us to talk to and execute on. So when you in, in Q3, we had 116 folks to Nuve. Um, you know, we still think there's many more regions for us to strengthen. And ultimately, if you end up looking at it, 
We built out our team in North America. The team that we hired in in uh, in Europe is starting to get into that that amazing inflection point. Um, where we've added to our resources in LATAM. These are meaningful expansions, right? To 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 the addressable market for Nouvet. We're turning our attention, obviously, to APAC as a whole, and that those are very big markets for us. And for you guys to appreciate, imagine breaking it down by population, right? You know, you end up looking at North America, South America, and Europe from a population perspective, and how much is more to go get. You know, you get to your more than three and a half x that's addressable to us, and it's exactly what we want to do. And and ultimately, you know, this is not a this is not a sprint, right? This is a marathon, and we're doing it tactfully, block by block. But um, you, you know, we think the momentum is is um, is really exciting. Yeah. Again, on that, uh, along those lines. So, uh, you know, we have the destination that we would like to grow, you know, 30% a year over over the, the medium term and achieve some of those long-term revenue targets. But again, this it, it is a it is a long-term race. So, so quarter to quarter as investors, what are the things you would point us to, to monitor your progress against these long-term goals? Yeah, I think every quarter we'll set our outlook, right? <clears throat> so I, I would guide you back to the outlook. You know, the, the outlook uh, will give you a good baseline of what we see the next quarter. Um, I, I would guide you back to what consensus is and what our analysts who are following the business kind of get to. And and then, you know, familiarize as investors, familiarize with the markets that we're serving. And, and ultimately, if you piece that all back together, um, you know, from a profile perspective, we think Nouvelle is class leading. Obviously, I'm humbly, I'm humbly biased for that one, but, you know, we like where we sit. Um, I had a quick question on crypto and adding it in this past year. Was that something customers were coming to you asking for? Or is this one where you're saying, you know, we, we see it obviously growing and, and starting to take share in other places. Let's just go there and be there so that we're ready. I think every technology company and payment technology company needs to pull a chair around the crypto and, and digital asset space, right? So from our perspective, we looked at it in three buckets in our innovation lab, how to accept it, how to pay in it, and how to use it for merchant settlement. Those were kind of the, the theses that we had. We've now augmented that with the acquisition of Simplex, where you know we do risk and KYC, which is a huge stumbling block for many of these operators. Um, that we're able to provide that and then actually not just provide it for a single industry, but provide it for all. And there are many levers, you, you know, Nathan, when you end up thinking about where we could take Simplex, there are a lot of levers for growth in that business itself that we're really excited about. So, you know, ultimately, we uh, we think that now we have a, a chair, we have influence, we have relationships with, you know, most of the providers that are within the space and allows us to be really close and drive our roadmap to execute on future opportunities. And you know, th these industries are still relatively new. A, a fun fact is, look at NFTs, right? From a billion and a half in Q2 to almost 10 billion in Q3. And we're just scratching the surface. Now many of them are digital, but sooner or later you'll start seeing some physical NFTs are coming through. And they all need our capabilities abide, KYC, you get an instant digital asset. How do you drive a fraudless experience through that? So we're, we're really excited about what's happening in the sphere and and certainly as a payment technology company we pulled a chair and and you know we're really supportive of it so we're, we're we think we're just at the beginning of our involvement within crypto um, as a whole right digital currencies and digital assets as a whole and and we're making you know really thoughtful investments to be part of the ecosystem all right phil it's been a fantastic conversation we've been talking about nuve here going on 27 minutes and, and some change talked about your go-to-market strategy some of the verticals you serve uh, for an investor, someone who's listening to this this podcast and, uh, and is going to take something away for, from this conversation, what would be, say, the three bullet points you'd want them to take home uh, from listening to this uh, podcast? Oh, you know what? First of all, thanks for having me, guys. It's who we are and what we do, right? Like, we're really proud of what we do and how we help our customers connect with their customers. I think it's the, the, the breadth of technology that we provide and, and the fact that 
you know, we're, we're really expanding the addressable market, both in geographies that we service and in the support of our verticals that they are growing to. And all that drives for what we think is sustainable long-term growth. So we're really excited where we are and we thank everyone for tuning in today. And we're excited to, to continue following what you and, and Nuve do going forward. Really exciting growth story and uh, hope to uh, have you back on sometime in the future. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for mixing the show. For Phil Fair and Nate Parmalee, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.